can have the Lord's Supper here in just a few moments, so appreciate the good singing. If you'll turn with us to the book of Jude, and I want to preach one final message tonight, and then uh, we'll have the Lord's Supper. So appreciate uh, the opportunity to be in the Lord's house, but more so appreciate His presence. Amen. And uh, I'm sure I've felt the presence of God here tonight and this morning. I praise God for that. If you're able to stand with us, I want to read just a few of the latter verses of this book, uh, in this book here, and then have prayer, and then you can be seated. book of Jude will begin in verse number 17. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own lust, ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit, But ye, beloved, building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And if some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even their garments, spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you tonight for the singing. Thank you for the offering we've received tonight. Lord, I pray that you'll speak to us and through us these next few moments. And Lord, as we partake of your supper, I pray that you would bless us and help us tonight to do inventory of our own life. May it draw us closer to you. And may it, Lord, draw us closer to the cross as we've heard it sung about. And Lord, for what you do, we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to just pick up for just a moment very quickly in verse number 13. I didn't read these verses. Uh, But here in these verses tonight, of course, we've been preaching through the book of Jude, dealing with apostasy uh, versus fundamentalism. And we think about Jude as he uh, lays out the foundation in verse number 3 as he encourages those saints to earnestly contend for the faith. And then in verse number 20, he encourages them to build themselves up upon their most holy faith. And what separates us from these apostates and from this world is that everything that we have and everything that we believe is built on the fundamentals of the faith. Amen? There are some things tonight that are just not open for debate. They're not open for uh, compromise. They're not open for consideration tonight. They are fundamentals that we must live by, we must stand by, no matter the cost in this world, for the payday will be great in the next world to come. Amen? And thank God for fundamentalism. When we come to this text tonight, uh, Jude deals in verse number nine, or verse number 13, as he talks about these apostates, he talks about the punishment of these apostates. He says in the latter part of verse number 13, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. What he wants us to know is that those that abandon the truth and stand against the truth and deceive others to follow uh, and to go away from the truth, they are going to have their payday. Amen? It may look like that everything's going their way right now. It may look like that everything is just
just, uh, listen, just set for them in a way that it looks like they cannot fall. But there is coming a reckoning day for those that have stood against God and for those that have stood for God. I want to be on the right side when judgment day comes around. Amen. I'm not just talking about salvation, but I'm talking about standing for the truth. And Jude, in verse number 13, he talks about the punishment of these apostates. And he tells us how that God has reserved it. He's planned their punishment. It's going to be a permanent punishment. He talked about blackness and darkness forever. Amen. And it's going to be a very painful punishment. And then Jude tells us that it's been predicted. Look what he said in verse number 14. And Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these sayings. Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among uh, of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all the hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. What Jude wants us to know is that this punishment has been predicted. Amen. As far back as Enoch, he preached uh, of the judgment of God and of course we know the flood came in Genesis chapter number 6 but God made a promise that the second time it would not judge this world by flood but he would judge it by fire. Amen. And there is going to be God's judgment and those that have stood against him and against his word is one day going to face that judgment. And notice in verse number 15 how that he talks of verse number 16 he talks about these uh, apostates and he tells them that tells us that they have problems in their attitude. They are murmurs and complainers. Uh, and when you think about those that uh, that stand against the truth, they hate fundamentalism. They hate everything that we stand for. They hate everything that we are uh, that that we uphold. They uphold or they try to tear it down. They're murmurs. They're complainers. Uh, they'll have podcasts and they'll have all kinds of things uh, and papers that launches attacks uh, against those that have just simply preached what's always been preached uh, down through the ages. Amen. They want to try to silence us and shame us uh, for standing for the truth. Uh, but I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject on fundamentalism always wins. Amen. Fundamentalism always wins. Now you say Brother Gravely is that in this text? Well just hold on. He lays out these apostates uh, from verse number 3 all the way down until uh, you get to verse number 16. He talks about how they're murmurs. They're complainers. Uh, uh, they have problems in their attitude. They're perverted in their walk. Look what he said. Uh, they walk after their own lust. Amen. Uh, they're proud in their talk. Uh, their mouths speak great swelling words uh, and they're partial in their, uh, in their uh, personalities. The Bible said they have men's persons in admirations because of advantage. Amen. And so he has dealt with these apostates uh, uh, from verse number 3 all the way down to verse number 16. And I'm going to be honest with you. It's not easy preaching coming through them verses there because there's not a whole lot of positive things to say. Amen. It's just one dark verse after another. It's God pronouncing a punishment on those that are standing for against truth and those that are standing against those that want to uphold the truth. But when you get to verse number 17, the tide is about to turn. Amen. He said, but beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to see this. When we get to verse number 17, the tide is going to turn and shift all throughout the rest of these verses here because Jude is going to stop emphasizing those that have stood against the truth and now he's going to talk about those
those uh, who have been faithful and those who have stood for the truth. Amen. He's going to talk about those who he's writing to uh, that has built their belief on the fundamentals uh, of the faith. Amen. And can I tell you tonight, fundamentalism in this book, uh, when you get to the last verses, guess what? We're on the winning side. Amen. Uh, I'm telling you, when you get to verse number 13 and 14, the apostates are all under judgment and God's going to reap havoc on them. That's the promise they have. But we have a different promise. Amen. And the promise is that no matter how dark this world gets, uh, the promise is that no matter how bad things are, no matter how small of a crowd and a minority we may be, if we'll just hang with it. Amen. If we'll just be faithful. Thank God. I'm not talking about for our salvation. I'm talking about in our service. Uh, If we'll be true and if we'll stand for the fundamentals, guess what? We're on the winning side. Amen. I'm telling you, those that stand for what is right, we are coming out victorious in the end. Amen. And so Jude is going to encourage them to just be faithful. Why? Because fundamentalism wins in the end. Amen. I mean, you think about it. Uh, these creepy old men of apostasy in verse number three, uh, listen, they don't like uh, anything that we stand for, but yet they come back. Uh, yet they creep back in the church. They creep back into the house of God. You know, it's interesting. They can have their buildings. Uh, uh, listen, they can have their services. Uh, they can have their different provisions versions of the Bible but for some reason it doesn't matter how big they get it doesn't matter how large uh, their uh, ministry may be it just seems like those that stand for fundamentalism is always an irritation to them you know why Uh, because they hate the truth amen I'm telling you they can be running 5,000 and we could be running 50 and for whatever reason they just can't walk away and leave us alone amen Uh, but you know what I don't care what they're doing tonight Uh, listen I mean I care in the sense that I want them to get right with God. But I don't waste my days and my time worrying about those that are standing against the truth. I'm just glad I'm on the right side of the truth. Amen. But it seems like they've always got an ax to grind with us. It seems like there's always something bothering them. You say, what is it, preacher? I'll tell you what it is. They don't like the truth. Amen. I want to say thank God for the truth tonight. The Bible says to buy the truth and sell it not. Jesus said sanctify them through thy truth thy word is truth amen he said and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free I'm glad one day thank God I heard the truth I'm glad it came to my doorstep I'm glad it came to my heart one day I'm glad I didn't get deceived I'm glad I didn't get led astray oh I was an awful sinner like everybody else and so was you but don't you thank God that one day you heard the fundamentals of this book And the Holy Ghost took that word and he put it down deep in your soul. And friend, tonight, it sure is good to be a fundamentalist, amen. Now, you know what they'll say about that. They'll say, well, there's a difference between the message and the movement. They'll say, we're a part of the message, but we don't want anything to do with the movement. Well, I don't have a good illustration for that, but that would be like saying I own a Chevy and I'm a Chevy man, but I don't want nobody to know because I'm not going to put no, I'm not going to put no labels on my car. I'm going to take the Chevy off, but I believe in Chevy. I just don't want that on the, I just don't want that emblem on the car. I'm going to tell you something, friend. Go ahead and brand me. Amen. Go ahead and chalk me up. Go 
ahead and mark me down. Go ahead and do whatever you want to. I'm a diet in the wool. Thank God, fundamentalists. I believe the fundamentals of this book. I started out this way, and by the good grace of God, I'm going out this way. By the grace of God, I never plan on changing. It was right when we started. It'll be right when we end. It's always been right. It always will be right. I say, thank God I put a brand on us. Hallelujah. Woo! Amen. Isn't it good to be a fundamentalist tonight? I want to act like that's a dirty word. I say thank God for it. Amen. I praise God. At least I know what I am. And you know what you are tonight. And everybody else needs to know where we stand. Brother, listen, we need to, we need to draw some good lines in the sand. And we never need to change by the grace of God. Fundamentalists always win. You don't believe this, read the last few verses. Amen. We'll look at it very very quickly tonight and we'll be done. You see tonight those that abandon the truth and walk away from it, they might have bigger buildings, they may have new methods, they may have more funds and they may have even less demands. But can I tell you something? There's one thing that we have tonight. They look at us and they say, why don't you change? I'm trying to get to these verses but they say, why won't you change? I'm going to tell you why I won't change Bibles. Amen? Because this has been working ever since I got saved. Amen. Why would I want to trade it in for something that hadn't been tried and tested when I know this book works. Amen. It worked before I got here. It'll work when I'm gone. Amen. You say, why don't you change your music? Because number one, we don't want to. And number two, how are you going to improve on amazing grace? How are you going to improve on learning to, leaning on the everlasting arms? How are you going to improve on are you washed in the blood? And don't fix it up and beat it up let it be what it is because that's who we are and that's what we believe amen I'm telling you tonight we're not changing why don't you change your worship service because we like it this way and because it's always worked you say why I always keep a pulpit because Ezra stood on a pulpit of wood and it's scriptural and it's right and thank God for the pulpit we still need it in this day and time People need more preaching than we've ever needed. I tell you, I wish it'd get out of the banks, don't you? And used to, it got out of the banks all the time. I'm talking about all the time. You say, well, and if it didn't get out of the banks, we worry. You say, why is it not out of the banks like it used to be? Because people don't live like they used to live. But it's going to take more than a pretty song and a fancy beat and a pretty outline to move people, amen. It takes the presence and the Spirit of God and then we're living in a time. Listen, when we need preaching in this hour, they say, why don't you change? Because it's been working. Why don't you change those standards, those convictions, those beliefs? Because it's been working, amen. It's always worked. And thank God when something's not broke, you don't need to fix it, isn't that right? But fundamentalists always win. Why is that so? Well, he's going to tell us in this text here tonight why that they always win. Number one, because we have the right words. Look at verse 17. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostle of the by the before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. As I've already said, got ahead of myself. But thank God we got the right Bible. We have the words. Do you believe we have the words? 
of the apostles of Jesus Christ. There are no apostles today, but thank God there was back in that day. In First Peter chapter number two, I think it is, uh, uh, tells us uh, uh, that we have a more sure word of prophecy. He said that holy men of God spake in old times as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Uh, I believe this Bible is inspired. Uh, I believe it's infallible. I believe it's indestructible. I believe it's indisputable. It's inerrant tonight. Uh, it is God's holy word. Uh, it'll work, amen in 2023. It'll still rescue sinners. It'll still keep homes together. It'll still strengthen marriages. It'll still pick up the fallen. It'll still strengthen the weary. It'll still encourage the discouraged. It'll still lift up the fallen. It'll still help you along life's way. It's God's wonderful book, Divine. It is the 1611 a King James Bible. I believed it then and I believe it now. And thank God this book, it'll do while you're living, but it'll also do when you die. It'll be for this generation and it'll be for the next generation and for generations to come. It'll send revival. It'll keep a church in the right place. It'll work on the mission field. I'm telling you, the word of God will get the job done. Amen. And the question is very simple. We either have the word of God or we don't. And I'm telling you tonight, our Bible's not open for debate. You know why fundamentalists always win? Because we have the right book. You watch a church when they start changing, they'll change their music, they'll change their dress code, and then they'll change their Bible. And when their Bible is gone, listen, they don't have any authority. Uh, that is the last thing that changes. But when it's gone, it goes, my friend, uh, from what God used to, uh, to a place that God once used, to, it becomes a monument of what it used to be. I'm telling you, men may still carry it on, uh, but there is no presence of God. I'm telling you, listen, tonight it's important that we stick with this book. You young people, listen to me. You need to be King James died in the wool, amen? And you need to know why you're King James. James. And if you go to Sunday school, and I know that you do, uh, you'll find out why you're King James, why we believe the King James Bible is uh, the Word of God. But fundamentalists win because we got the right book. You can't do anything if you don't have the right scriptures. Amen? It has. We have to have the Word of God. Everything in this church needs to be built on the basis of the Word of God. I'm talking about our music. needs to be built on the Word of God. Our songs need to be based on the Word of God. Our preaching, our teaching, our standards, our convictions, our beliefs, uh, everything. It needs to be built on the scriptures. Now, liberals will tell you tonight that just because it's not in black and white, they'll say, well, that's not in the Bible. I'm going to tell you what the Bible lays out for us. The Bible gives us precepts. That's black and white. Thou shalt, thou shalt not. And then the Bible gives us principles. And that is what we are to live by. Train up a child in the way that he should go. That covers a whole lot, doesn't it? It gives principles. What is the way that he should go? The, the things, the principles of the word of God. So you train that child according to the, the principles of the word of God. There's precepts, there's principles, and then there is preferences, amen? And preferences, my friend, are not things that are necessarily found in the word of God, but they are good things to live by and that we may prefer, amen? There's nothing wrong. Now, there, we don't have this standard, but if we was in a church and the church and the pastor said, well, uh, you 
you know, we want the choir to get up and sing and we want the men to wear a shirt and ties. That's not the standard here. Uh, we just want you to be modest. Can I get an amen right there? Uh, but if the pastor was to say that and the church was to agree to that, that's their preference, that's their standard, and there's not a thing wrong with that. Can I get an amen? Now, some people go down the road and say, well, I don't think that's scriptural. Well, it may not be scriptural, but it sure is a good preference, amen? And if that's the preference that church has, uh, and if they decided to do that, uh, then listen, by all means, if I join that church uh, and I want to sing in the choir, then by all means, I need to go along with that. Can I get a witness right there? You say, well, I can't go along with that. They don't join that church, amen? But I'm telling you, they've got the right to do that. That's what they prefer, and if that's what they prefer, then that's the way. Well, I lost some of you on that, amen? Don't get nervous, amen? Before I went to shirt and ties on everybody, I'd go to robes, amen? So that'll make you real nervous, won't it? I'm just talking about tonight. Listen, that's a preference, amen? But there are principles in this book. Listen, the Bible doesn't say thou shalt not smoke cigarettes. Isn't that right? There's a principle there. And the same principle applies to overeating. Amen, boy, I mean, we got to get to the Lord's Supper, don't we? This, this ship is sinking fast. I'm talking about tonight, it's full of principles. And we're to live by them. And there is one principle that we should always live by. And that's the principle that some things may be lawful, but they're not always expedient. And we should never do anything that discredits the cause of Christ, the church, or our testimony. And so when you think about that, here, I've got to move on. We have the right words. That's why fundamentalists always win. If you stay with this book, you're going to be on the winning side. Amen. And then we have the right walk. Notice what he said here in verse number 18. He said, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last times. Is there not mockers in these last days? that make fun of God and old-time religion, who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. But we have the right walk. But ye, beloved, here it is, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. You see, tonight, fundamentalists, we have the right walk. That doesn't mean that we do everything right. Can I get an amen right there? It doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean that we're sinless. It doesn't mean that we've got it all right. We don't have everything right, but we have the right book, amen? And the right book tells us how to walk in the right path. Blessed is the man, Psalms 1, it is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the sea of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Now think about what Psalm says there. It said we're not to walk around the ungodly, Godly. We're not to sit in the counsel of the ungodly, the wicked. Amen? But the reason that man is separated in verse number one uh, from the ungodly is because he is separated in verse number two to the word of God. Amen? He's not walking in the counsel of the ungodly. He's not standing in the way of sinners. He's not sitting in the sea of the scornful. Why? Because his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night. You see, you've got to get more out of separation than just coming out. 
out, amen. You've got to come to some things, amen. If all you do is have a list and just separate and say, well, we don't do this and we don't do that, but you don't have a personal walk with God and your motive is not right for the things that you do, you know what'll happen? You'll be gun barrel straight, but twice as empty, amen. I mean, you can live clean as a hound's tooth and still not be walking with God. Y'all still with me tonight? I believe in living right. I believe in living clean, but can I tell you something? Every morning when I get up to pray, the first thing out of my mouth is, oh God, forgive me. Lord, I know that I'm a failure. I know that I come up short. I miss the mark every day of my life, don't you? And I just got out of bed. Some might say, man, I'm just talking about that's this old wicked flesh, but tonight you can walk with God. You can live for God. You can live a clean life, amen? Second Corinthians chapter seven and verse one said, having these promises, therefore, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Tonight, we can live a clean life. And it's interesting how that people will make fun of those that believe in Bible separation. But when it comes time for their children to get married, they want to send them down to that old-fashioned church and they want them to find one of those good godly girls or good, clean, living young men. It's not good enough for them to live by, but when it comes to looking for a spouse, somebody that'll be faithful, they know there's something real about the way we walk. Tonight, I'll tell you, as I've already said, every one of us have to raise our hand. There's more things wrong with me than I ever want you to know. And tonight, I would not want to, uh, I wouldn't even want my wife to testify about me. Amen, because she'd either have to lie or it wouldn't be good. Now, y'all can hide your halo and touch you. I'll ask your wife to testify. I'm telling you tonight, we don't have it all together, do we? But we have a book that tells us how to. And if we live by this book, we can, it is possible to live clean. It is possible. God would never ask us to be, to be not do, but you can't do holiness. Can I get an amen right there? You can't do holiness. And God never asked you to do holy or me to do holy because we can't do holy. But he did ask us to be holy. You see, if all I, them people that just have a list but they don't have a life, they're just doing. Well, I don't do this and I do that. That's all you're doing is doing. But when this is real to you and when he's real to you, oh, I'm not doing. But Danny, it's just being. You get up every day, you just want to be what he wants you to be. You just want to walk the way he wants you to walk. I'm not telling you I hit that mark, but I'm striving for it. And you're striving for it. I, I just want to wear what he wants me to wear. I just want to go the places he wants me to go. I want to be what he wants. Are y'all following me tonight? You're just trying to be holy. And he said, be ye holy. He wouldn't ask you to be something you're not capable of being tonight. You say, how do you be holy? Surrendered life. Filled with the Holy Spirit, amen. How do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? Filled with the Scriptures. You read that book every day. You have a personal prayer life and you do your best to walk with God each day and you try to keep the right spirit and the right attitude throughout the day. And when you come to the end of the day, he's gonna have to make up the difference, amen. But when he speaks to you, you listen to that still, small voice. Hey, that's what fundamentalism is. It's living by the words, by the precepts of this book. And fundamentalists always win. I'm telling you tonight, is there a desire 
desire. I ask you this question. Is there a desire in your heart tonight to be more than just saved? Amen. To be more than just going to church and to be more than just doing ministry. Amen. Is there a desire in your heart to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to walk with God and to be the mother, to be the husband, to be the father, to be the young person that God wants you to be? There's preachers here tonight and preachers' wives. And you know this. Tonight, serving God can't be about the ministry. I love this church, but it can't be about this church. And you love this church, but it can't be about this church. I want to tell you tonight, it has to be about one thing, walking with Him. And if you walk with Him every day, if that's your goal when you get up, I want to walk with God today. I want, I've got to go to work, I've got to go to school, but, I, but in the midst of that, I want to be what God wants me to be. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You're always going to win. Because fundamentalism always wins. And the fundamental of the faith is we have the right walk if we're walking with Him. Build up yourselves on what? Your most holy faith. I ask you this question. How much are you going to invest in your faith this week? So how do I do that? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You see, if you and I are not careful, we'll scramble out of here tonight. We'll have our schedule on our mind. We'll get ready. We, we, we know we got to go to work. We know we got places to go. We know we got things to do. And we got all these things that are that have to be done this week. But what'll happen is Friday will come. And we haven't walked with God. It's important tonight, isn't it? You know what this supper's all about? Our walk with God. Not what I'm doing, but what am I being tonight? Well, I want to say this and move on. This is the hardest book to ever finish. The right words. We have the right walk. And then notice this. We have the right witness tonight. Look what he said in verse 22. And some have compassion, making a difference. Tonight, he's talking about people that have compassion. Do you know tonight that's what we need more than anything else? We need compassion. We need a compassion for sinners. We need to see sinners as they really are and as we once were. We need a compassion tonight one for another. Everybody in this church is not on the same level. And I don't feel like I'm on the top level. I want you to know that. But everybody's not on the same level. i tell you one thing pastor will teach you. It'll teach you to love everybody where they're at regardless of who they are regardless of what they do, and regardless of how they live. Because at the end of the day, I'm flesh too. Compassion. Compassion not to criticize. Compassion not to get mad. You know, I, I just feel like, and I know you can't go on feelings, but I'm trying to, well, I just feel like for the last two or three weeks, and if I'm wrong, pray for me. I just feel like there's been like a little bit of an undercurrent of, Maybe some bad feelings. I don't know what that's about. Maybe I'm wrong, Brother Chris. But I would say it, it just kind of comes up when I'm preaching a lot. If there's something in your heart towards somebody, you need to, tonight's the night to get right with God about it. So I'm mad at them about this. Well, you need to get on this altar tonight. Because I don't care what they've done to you, they haven't hurt you any more than you hurt Jesus. And they're your brother. They're your sister. 
Well, they don't even know I'm upset, but boy, I'm somewhat upset. You get over here tonight and do business with God. I don't say that to be mean to you. I say that because I want you to have some victory in your life. You know, I remember a few years ago, I'll say this and move on. I was sitting in a service, and for whatever reason, something just crept up in my heart against a brother that something had happened, and it had been four or five years, and he sat right across the aisle from me. And I'm going to tell you, soon, I remember we were singing a congregational song, as soon as that rose up, and I'm not telling you this saying that I'm a good person, I'm telling you this because this is how wicked of a person my flesh is. As soon as it rose up, I got out of my seat, reached right across the aisle, hugged that brother's neck, told him I loved him. He never knew what went on in here. I didn't do that because I'm spiritual. I did that because I'm flesh. And I knew that if I sat there and let it go one, I let it go two verses of that song, it would not be good for me. Now tonight, we don't like to talk about those things, do we? But the Bible says here, have compassion. You know, just show mercy on people. It don't, I don't think we'll ever stand at the judgment seat and hear God say, you know, you're just too merciful. That person did you wrong. and Boy, you just, you just showed compassion. And they didn't deserve it. No, we're more like Jesus when we show compassion. You say, why do I want to do that? Read the rest of that verse. It makes a difference. I'm going to tell you, no matter how people might mistreat you, we've all mistreated people. And when we show compassion, it makes a difference. Others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, having even their garments spotted with, by the flesh. He's not talking about just saving them from the fires of hell, but saving them from these apostates. And then finally, not only do we have the right witness, but thank God we have the right worship. Look how Jude ends this epistle. Now to him that is able to keep you from falling. Thank God. You know, Brother Laddie, we get to the end of the way and we finish, right? You know how we finished? Right there it is. There was one that was able to keep us from falling. And not only to keep us from falling, but he's going to have to do this. Present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. How in the world am I going to stand before God faultless? Same way I'm going to keep from falling. The one that kept me from falling is the one that's going to present me faultless. I've got more faults, and you do too. But when I stand before him one day, thank God, they'll all be washed away. They'll all be ironed out. They'll all be taken care of. Amen. I won't be in this old flesh anymore, and I'll be faultless. And Jude is worshiping. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. You know what I get from these passages of Scripture here tonight? Is that Jude had the capability, in spite of all the apostasy and the attack on fundamentalism that was going on in his day, you know how he had the capability of closing this epistle out, worshiping. And tonight I want to tell you, worship is so important. Personal worship is important. Public worship is important. There can be no real public worship in our life if there's no personal worship in our life. A personal devotion time is what causes us to get in the spirit and the mind of worship. You see, when you read your Bible and you talk to God every day, and every day is not a lightning bolt experience, but I'll tell you, just walking in the pages of God's Word, just spending time with the Lord every day from 
from Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday. You come to church on Wednesday night. You've worked all day. You're wore out. You're tired. You face the pressures of life. But in the spite of that, in spite of what you face, you've spent some time with God every morning, a little bit of time with Him every morning. When you come into church on Wednesday night, you may have had a rough day. You may be tired in body. And I'm telling you, when they start, when we start singing those songs and things start, God starts working in the service, you'll connect with that. Amen. In spite of how tired you may be, in spite of, listen, and mother, what you've dealt with. Your kids may have acted like devils all day long. and Everything you touch may have got broken that day. But when you come to church, that personal walk with God is what helps you because you worship Monday, you worship Tuesday, you worship on Wednesday morning. Maybe you didn't have the best day, but it's a whole lot easier to worship when you're in the vein of worship. Amen. Listen to me tonight, and I'll say this and we'll be done. We don't need to let it die in this church. We got to keep it going. Our churches are becoming graveyards. I won't say this tonight, and because I want to help anybody that might need it. We need people to testify. Can I get an amen right there? I should have got at least four. We need folks to testify, but you need to learn how to testify. Can I get an amen right there? You say, "How do I learn?" What's brother Danny? What's brother Laddie? Watch Sister Allen. Watch, watch Sister Th- Watch Miss Nolita. Watch some of these ladies testify. You, and, and don't try to be like them. Can I get an amen? No, don't. That, that, that's not real. But learn how to testify. You say, how do I learn? You get up and just say something real simple. Well, I just want to thank God for saving me. That's pretty good, isn't it? No matter how many times you say it, I'll say it again. I want to thank God for saving me. Didn't it help you as much this time as it did just two seconds ago? What do I say? I just want to thank God for saving me. And then the Lord will let you say something else. And talk about the scriptures. You know, if you're in your Bible, you've got something to say about the Bible. You don't, you, you, I, you, people do it both ways, and I like it both ways. Sometimes people get up and read the verse. I like it. Somebody say amen. And then sometimes they get up and quote a verse or they talk about a verse. I like all of that, but we got to keep that going, don't we? You got to know when to testify. Amen. You watch these older people, they know when to testify. Watch some, you know, you know, got to have discernment, you know. Don't, don't just think, well, I, I'm just, well, this is my spot of this, or I'm just going to testify because so and so. No, you don't do that. You got to be led by the Holy Spirit. How do you be led by the Holy Spirit in testimony? I'm going to tell you exactly how, how you will be led by the Holy Spirit. you got to be in your Bible every day and just read. It's a simple preaching, but it's needed. Read your Bible every day. Spend some time with God. I know when you work, it's been, it don't take that long to read and pray. But spend a little bit of time every day. And when you come to church, don't try to figure it out. He'll talk to you. Isn't that right? He will talk to you. If you've been talking to him all week, I promise you, he's going to talk to you. And sometimes he'll tell you to give a testimony. Sometimes he'll, he'll tell you not to give a testimony. Sometimes you don't know. And you just got to get up by faith and do it. But you got to worship. We need worship in our churches. We need people to say amen. Can I get a witness on that? So why do you ask for amen? It's because we need somebody to say amen. We need people to raise your hand. You don't have to act like me. I don't have to act like you. But we need somebody. Hey, oh, lift. That's in the book, isn't it? Psalms 134. Oh, lift up your hands in the sanctuary. 
And bless the Lord, all you people of the Lord. When I raise that hand, I'm not raising it to you and you're not raising it to me. And I'm not raising it to be seen. None of us are raising it to be seen. I don't know if it'll do anything for you and you don't know if it'll do anything for me when I raise that hand. But that's not why we raise that hand. Sometimes when people raise their hand and they get blessed, don't you get blessed seeing them get blessed? But it's really not even about that. You know why God said lift up your hands in the sanctuary? Now, it'll bless you, but God isn't saying do it because it blesses you. It'll bless your neighbor, but he's not telling you to do it because it blesses your neighbor. Oh, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. I'm telling you, if I could do anything to bless God after all that he's done to bless me, I mean, we would think it would be something great. We would think it would be something astronomical. But God said, no, I tell you, if you want to be a blessing to me, you want to bless my heart, I'm talking about the God of heaven. God said, you want to bless my heart? Just lift up your hand in the sanctuary. After all I've done for you and how good I've been to you, maybe you want to lift it up in a song. You don't got to do it because I'm saying it, but maybe it's in a song. Maybe it's in a sermon. really matter where. It'll fit anywhere. Is that right? Maybe it's in a testimony but every time you lift that hand it may not do nothing for you. I'm not raising it because I feel anything. I'm raising it because the Bible says uh, lift up your hands in the sanctuary. Hey, we got the right worships. what I'm saying. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let somebody get up and give a testimony. Let somebody raise their hand. And let all the people, it says that I know on two different occasions in the book, and let all the people say, Amen. We don't need fog machines. We don't need, a, we don't need colored lights. I preached in a church, not too, it's been a, back last year. And they had a brand new building. And they had these, well, I won't go into too much detail about it. But Brother Laddie, they had these lights that shot up all the way around. And uh, all the way around the whole sanctuary. And I was watching them during service and one minute they was orange. And then they faded into a red. And then they faded into a yellow. And then they faded green. And then they faded into, I don't know, blue, and blue went to purple. Man, I'm telling you, it's giving, making me a nervous wreck watching all that stuff. You know? We don't need that. If somebody wants to do that, that's their business, but we don't need that, do we? I, like, I mean, we just, what we got works, don't it? And I'll tell you, old-time worship has always worked. We don't need the theatrics to add to the service. All we need is the involvement, the participate. You see, because God inhabits the praises of his people. He'll always show up when we magnify him, won't he? Well, I preached way too long tonight, but if you'll stand, we'll give an invitation before we have this serious time of communion. Fundamentalism, it always wins. But we don't have to argue with other people. We don't have to debate with other people. We don't have to fight other people. Because what we got's right. And it works. And it always will work. And I think sometimes if we just leave that crowd alone, preach what's right, pray for them, hey, maybe one day they'll come this way. Whether they do or whether they don't, don't you thank God? Don't you thank God that you're in an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, Baptist, Baptist 
church tonight. Those are great words. Never be ashamed of them. Never be ashamed of them. If you need to use this altar tonight, Brother Sam's going to sing a verse. Maybe you need to just come and pray before we have the Lord's Supper. You mind God while we sing.